No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to NoBull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Let's go! And a happy Monday to you. No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Chris Schubert, Sean Crespin, Jordan Simone, all in our socially distanced boxes here on the program. Gentlemen, pretty crazy weekend here in, uh, in the sports line. Everybody have a good weekend. Everybody feeling good yes. on a Monday. Yes, Things weren't bad. I felt better. Yeah, I'm a little sore, guys. To be to be honest, I've got uh, I got blisters all over my hands. I was doing some wow. yard. I was doing some yard Look work yesterday, and uh, yeah, so I'm a little sore because I'm fat and I'm out of shape. So when I do things okay. like I used to do just on the regular, sometimes I wake up the next day a little sore. Uh, but old uh, age too. Probably. Yeah, but other than that, dude, we're doing all right. We're doing okay. Okay, I'm doing Jordan, good. Another great hair Last... day for you, by the way, dude. Two days hey, in a row. You know what? They're all they're all great hair days. Okay. Um, I, I'm a little bummed, you know, last night hurt me watching the Seahawks Cardinals game, but if I'm going to lose, if my team's going to lose, I'm glad it's by a former teammate of mine and Zane Gonzalez. I'm glad that he got the chance to come back and kick the game winner. And I know we're going to dive more into that, but also are. breaking news. I opened my manscape box and dove into it this morning. I mean, the trimmer deodorant, I didn't even know ball deodorant was a thing. Apparently Sean used it this weekend, trimming mm-hmm. his, his, uh, his grass, cleaning that up. And it works, uh, real interesting. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're sitting there right now, go man, I think I'd like to try that. Use our code No Bull, you'll get twenty percent off. Go to Manscaped.com. Use our code No Bull for twenty percent off. And uh, I believe both of you today are uh, modeling your shirts as I well am. here for the program. So you guys oh, are yeah, doing a great I, job. I on too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wore mine yesterday, so it's in it's in the wash uh, uh, for later on in the week. Uh, with that in mind, gentlemen, let's tell everybody what is in the lead on the program. This is the one they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, big football weekend, but gentlemen, 60 seconds of baseball to start the program here on a Monday. Start the clock. 60 seconds is all you get. Here we go. Start the clock. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, The World Series, the Dodgers are one win away from a championship. What a wild weekend it was. Game four, probably one of the greatest World Series games uh, in history with just the frantic conclusion uh, to that baseball game, the calamity of errors by the Dodgers, the back-and-forth nature of that game as a whole. Wasn't sure how the Dodgers were going to be able to respond last night. Clayton Kershaw on the mound, no problem. He gets taken out. Uh, Dodgers fans didn't necessarily like that. There were some boos that Clayton Kershaw had gotten taken, was taken out of that baseball game. Uh, probably surprised uh, that they took him out but because notoriously Dave Roberts keeps him in too long and it ends up biting them. But uh, Dave Roberts living on the seat of his pants last night with some of the bullpen management. No Kenley Jansen. And guys, the Dodgers are just one win away from a World Series. Schubert, how, wait a how minute. did I do on time? Wait a minute here. According to Twitter, all right, and we know that that's Twitter. never wrong. According to Twitter, very Clayton story. Kershaw can't pitch in big games. So why You're were they right. upset that he were taking him out? According to Twitter, right. Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in big games. So a little surprised that they were upset that they were taking him out. That, that's, that, doesn't Sean, make sense. That, that doesn't jive with what Twitter says, yeah. Chris. That might be because Twitter's wrong sometimes. I, I know it's <laughs> no. shocking, but they might be never. wrong. Uh, baseball expert, expert Jordan Simone, your thoughts on the World Series Dodgers being one win away? Home runs are good. <laughs> All right, and that that's that concludes our sixty seconds of baseball. Oh, Thank you, Jordan Simone. Uh, number two here on the program. Uh, staying away from football as well, guys. As we learned over the weekend, I think this story originally came out on Friday. 
that U of A had gotten their um, letter of allegations, their notice of allegations from the NCAA. We learned yesterday that there are nine total alleged allegations against this u- university, including five level one violations that include Sean Miller and the U of A basketball program. But I also believe the swimming team was also named in the Seth Davis athletic story as well. Uh, this is a big deal. These five level one allegations are the, the top tier allegations you can have levied against you by the NCAA. Sean Miller, he's been in hot water for a really long time. This might push this over the edge, Jordan. Yeah, it seems like every year now there's something coming out about U of A and this scandal and and cheating. And I think that it's not even a question of if it was happening anymore. It's can they prove that it was happening, right? Uh, so it, it's all bad for U of A. They're our rival. And as, as much as I, you know, want to say like, oh, yeah, you know, like, hey, I hate U of A. You know, I'm glad that this is happening. They're cheaters. There's a lot of student athletes there that are going to have to deal with the, the you know, the, the repercussions of their, their coaches' actions. And it's going to really hurt them um, and their families. So it, it, it is sad. You hate to see it. But you know what? If, if you're, you're you reap what you sow, if you're if you're doing things the wrong way, it's going to have you're going to have a bad outcome. And um, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if they can prove it, it's going to be really bad for people. U of A. Well, this is now the notice of allegations that have been proven. So what they're getting right now, Jordan Simone, is the the proven the the uh, the, the investigation is done. It's in the books. This is what they found. This is actual stuff. And the level okay. one charge, the level one charges include a lack of institutional control and failure to monitor by the university. And the one that you knew was coming because book Richardson was a, the right hand man of Sean Miller for so long, but included in the level one charges is a lack of head coach control by men's basketball coach, Sean Miller and a lack of head coach control by Augie Bush, which is the women's swimming coach that you talked about Schubert. But the, the Sean Miller one, you knew that was coming because book Richardson was his right hand man. And he, they, you knew it was coming. So the word, the, the least of the allegations was going to be lack of institutional control and lack of head coach control by Sean Miller. Those are level one, level one charges. And now we'll have to find out exactly what the, uh, what the punishments are going to be. Now, how this works guys, we might not find out for quite some, time uh u of a actually has 90 days to respond to the ncaa about this notice and then the ncaa i believe has 60 more days that that they have to respond to the response so we we may end up in in april uh you know march or april before you get an actual verdict on this whole thing and i'll tell you this though if you're the u of a and you're looking at with level one charges potential postseason ban right and 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 punishment maybe maybe removal of scholarships and so forth i would want to get this done now quickly and here's why we're in a year of such oddity right like who knows what the what the postseason of men's basketball is even going to look like this year in the ncaa if there's a chance that i can respond to this quick and i can get a response from the ncaa quick and let's just say it's a one-year postseason ban Take it now. Get it out of the way this year, dude. Just yep. get it out of the way. So don't hold on to this notice. Get it taken care of. Respond to the NCAA. Get it done now. And I, I know that the Board of Regents at the U of A are meeting today on the matter. So we'll see what comes out of this. But uh, you're probably going to see a postseason ban of at least one year. Maybe some, if not more. If not more, maybe some some scholarships taken away. But um, yeah, I, if it's if it's like let's say the NCAA tells U of A one year postseason ban. 
done. Let's do it right now. Let's get it out of the way. This is such an odd year anyway. Let's just get it. Let's just get it done with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, not surprised to see the level one infractions that we did. Lack of institutional control and lack of head coach control seems to fit the book. Um, either whether or not you agree or disagree that Sean Miller had anything to do with what happened, what you can't deny is it was lack of institutional control and it was lack of head coach control. Those are those those are allegations you can't deny. Whether you think so, he will he knew- be fired? Uh, well, that that's up to the school. That you know, that's a, that's up to the and school. Qu- at that and they've point. been quiet so far. I was just going to add been. this. They've been yeah, quiet. Yeah. They're not saying anything. They didn't release what the notice of allegations said. They've been kind of keeping this close to the vest, and you yep. can understand why. Uh, but I certainly think if these allegations, the you know the, these level one allegations, these are serious. This is serious business. His job could be probably more in jeopardy than maybe we've seen in years past with conversations about him them not making it to final fours and, and competing for championships this might be the thing that does him in more than maybe the lack of uh, of titles there uh, in tucson uh, some football news for you guys it was first drive of the game in cleveland where uh, odell beckham jr uh left the game with an injury we've now learned that it is a torn acl uh he confirmed that to espn so he is done for the season and, and sean you wrote here in the prep document and in cleveland question mark is, well, there, is, there, is there a take here that you have? I just look at a relationship that doesn't feel as if it's working for either party, right? I mean, since he came over in the trade from the Giants to the Browns, it just doesn't feel like it's a relationship that's working for either one of them. Um, right. You know, a, a player of Odell Beckham Jr., his stature, his ability, it feels as if he could be more of a focal point within the offense. But this offense is transitioning, guys, to more of – run first play action you know it just doesn't feel like it's a good fit long term now they're locked in the way the contract is is structured with with cleveland there's an injury clause built in and in march that's going to trigger so the number is so high that they can't cut odell beckham jr but looking for a trade i i think you're going to see that Probably not by the end of the trade deadline because it makes no sense if you're a team looking for Odell Beckham Jr. right now since he's done for the year. But in the offseason, I I think you're going to see a lot of trade partners get discussed with Odell Beckham Jr. because it just feels like a partnership that's not working long term there. Yeah, I'd say since he's been there, really, we haven't seen the pop that you thought you would, right, With, with Jarvis and with Baker and all this hype that came with him over to Cleveland. I think part of that is coaching changes, not being able to get Baker comfortable. I think we were just starting to see what this duo could look like, or really trio with Jarvis Landry in there. And um, his last couple games, he played really well. I mean, didn't he have a a two touchdown, three touchdown game, a reverse that looked really good? It looked like he was just starting to get comfortable. And, uh, you know, being a guy that's tore both my ACLs, I really feel for him. I know he's, he's come off a torn ACL before, so he knows what to expect in this, uh, in this rehab process. But it's brutal. It's a brutal injury. It, it It's more uh, mental now in the second time than it is physical because you've been through it, but now you know you have to go through it again. And I just feel bad for, for OBJ. And I know that he was just starting to get comfortable and Cleveland was, you know, winning some games. So it sucks, man. It's, but it's part of the game. A lot of guys have been injured this year too. Let me throw out the game logs and you tell me if this is worth A, what Odell Beckham is being paid and B, uh, an offense that is suitable for him going forward as well. Game one, 22 yards on three receptions. Game two, 74 yards on four receptions. He did have a touchdown in that game. 59 yards on four receptions. 81 yards on five receptions. He did have two touchdowns in the Dallas game. 
58 yards on five receptions, 25 yards on two receptions, and then yesterday he got injured right away. So you can't, you got to throw that one out. But not a single triple digit receiving performance. He had the two touchdowns against Dallas, so that kind of gets masked, right, a little bit. But yeah. overall, and one of those, uh, he was rushing too. On, on yeah, one of those exactly so right. He probably had over 100 all-purpose all that game. Yeah, he had 73 um, yards rushing in that game as well uh, with the touchdown. But Sean, I think I think the thing with OBJ is is we compared it to Chandler Jones, right? The things that you don't see on the sure. stat sheet are what what really help the, the Cleveland Browns. When people go into that game, they go, "Okay, Odell Beckham Jr." is what you say whatever you want about him. He's one of the best receivers in the game. He's very talented. He, his catch radius is is he runs really good routes. He's really quick. He's fast. Um, it's it's the prep going into into a Cleveland game saying, all right, you know, this is where we're moving our coverage to. If we're doubling, we're doubling here. If we're going to do anything defensively, we're working over to OBJ. Yeah, because that's a type of respect that, that he gets from teams around the league. So not necessarily, you know, having the receiving yards. Yeah, it hurts. But um, I think part of that, as I said, coaching changes, getting into a rhythm. I think we we're just starting to see Cleveland and uh, Baker Mayfield and OBJ get on the same page and work into some trick plays and find out how they could use him. Um, and, and yes, it's been too long. He's been there too long and he's getting paid a lot. But I think uh, the things that he does uh, for you not on the stat sheet are, are just as big as what he does on the stat sheet. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I mean, like I mentioned, it's a team that wants to uh, run first and then, you know, they're, they're having that transition offensively in terms of, of their mindset. And I'm not naive to the fact that having a wide receiver that can take the top off like an Odell Beckham Jr. makes you think twice about putting anything extra in the box, right, which also helps you run the football. I understand how all of that works, but here's what tells me that it's not clicking between Beckham and, 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 uh, and uh, Baker. Baker. 53.5 that's the percentage of completions when he's targeted it just it, it isn't clicking you know what i mean they're not on the same page they complete 53.5 percent of his targets is that that's since he's been a, there that's that's this year that's this year that's up, this throughout year. the entire okay, wow. yeah i can i can uh i can back up and look at what's these. the top what's the top in the league what's the like highest percentage? that's a like stat 80%? i'd have to that's a stat i'd have to look up but it's 53 is extremely it, low yeah it's extremely low yeah so it's it's again in my opinion it's something that's just not working for either party. So will I be shocked if he's back? No, but will I be shocked if he's shopped quite a bit? No, I think that's going to happen. And again, because of the injury clause that's built into the contract, that's going to be triggered and the number that's going to be so high they won't be able to cut him. It'll but a trade I think is likely in the cards, but we'll see. We'll find out. Either way, like you mentioned Jordan, it's awful to see anybody have to go through what he's yeah. going through right now, so We've seen a lot of injuries this year too, man. It's crazy, dude. We've seen a lot. Yeah. I mean, all a, a lot at MetLife. I mean, the Niners lost two guys, but we we can move on. But it's I think part of that is guys have been haven't been training as hard. There hasn't been OTAs, and you, you get right back into the swing of things, and your body is has has just been sitting there, you know, the past six months. So right, it's tough to see. Right. How about some good news, Let Hubert? Yeah, I was just gonna say let's end in the lead on some good news. As I believe this is from earlier today. It Sean. is. Uh, we learned over the weekend, that, and I think Ron Rivera talked to the media about this, that he, uh, he was going to have his last uh, ke uh, chemo treatment uh, for the cancer that he's been going through. And uh, do you have the video, Sean? I do, actually. Take a listen to what you're going to hear while we, uh, That bell. That is Ron Rivera at the, uh, the hospital awesome. where he's getting his chemo done, ringing the bell because that is his last uh, treatment, and he's walking through the hospital now. Maybe we'll post this video to our, our Twitter account, at yeah. Noble underscore podcast. But uh, a celebration ensuing. 
Ron Rivera is just one of the nicer guys in the league. And when we heard the news that he was going through this, and you hate to just even hear that kind of news, but great to see just the leadership that he showed through all of this uh, to, to walk into a situation in Washington that was, you know, tough enough. And then he has to deal with this personal stuff. Just, uh, you know, great to see this kind of good news on a Monday. I, I can't even put it into words how excited I was when I saw that today. The fact that he's coaching football every Sunday. Yeah. And the prep, and Jordan, you would have to tell us, but the amount of prep that goes in in an International Football League locker room by a head coach, uh, I mean, come on. And he's dealing with that. So, yeah, you're pulling for Ron Rivera. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and we're going to get into it in our rapid rundown later in the program, but a pretty good win for them yesterday as well. Yeah, this is a, this is a really cool story, especially on a Monday morning, start the week off hearing this news. But, yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera, all he knows is coaching football, waking up, you know, every day and going into the office and working out. So, he, I think he just kept his same kind of routine and battled through. And uh, yeah, hats off, man. That's awesome. Yeah, extremely inspirational, I think, to say the least, what we've seen from Ron Rivera this season. It was the wild, wild west last night at State Farm Stadium, but it was the Cardinals who won the shootout. We'll talk about it next on No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone. Gentlemen, let me tell you about Earnhardt Auto Centers, locally owned and Talk operated. I'm going to tell you, Jordan, locally owned and operated since 1951, a proud partner of No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone. 19 Arizona locations. I've told you about the 21 dealerships, the 17 brands. Doesn't matter if you're north, south, east, or west. Wherever you're at in the valley, Earnhardt's got you covered for that new vehicle you got your eye on. And the times of social distancing, you're seeing it right now, all of us in three different boxes, three different locations on the video version of this podcast. Just shoot over to nobull.com. Click on the Noble Express option, and the entire buying process is going to be an absolute breeze from the comfort of your home. They'll bring a vehicle for you to test drive right to your house. Jordan Simone's done that before. You'll fill out the financial applications. They'll deliver your new ride right to the front door as well. Once you make your purchase, you don't even have to leave the front door to experience the Earnhardt commitment to world-class service and low prices that just absolutely cannot be beat. The Earnhardt name is one you know you can trust, gentlemen. 68-year commitment from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and Noble.com. That ain't no bull. Chris Schubert. Feels like every time these two teams get together in primetime, something weird happens. Last time these two teams played on Sunday night, it was the 6-6 tie in overtime. And I there were points at overtime last night where I thought we were going down a similar road where it was going to be a 34-34 tie. But it is the Arizona Cardinals who come away with a pretty big victory. And we talked about it in the, in the lead up to this game of this being their toughest test defensively and it being a divisional matchup in this wild, wild NFC West. It's the Cardinals who pick up a 37-34 victory in overtime. Lots of different storylines that we can delve into with this gentleman. Sean, I will start with you because... This was an up-and-down roller coaster ride for the Arizona Cardinals. A disappointing first half. It felt like maybe they were on the precipice of getting blown out, but a fantastic second half defensively uh, and offensively. They found rhythm. They came up with some key drives in that fourth quarter, and they were able to get the victory in overtime. Yeah, they did. What stood out to me first is the job that – like my main takeaway, and we're going to get into some of the questionable coaching decisions by Cliff Kingsbury, but if we're going to talk about coaching and the game we saw last night, you got to tip your cap to Vance Joseph. I mean, that is the number one offense in the National Football League you were going up against last night, and you gave up seven points from halftime through almost an entire overtime period. You gave up seven points to Russell Wilson in that offense. He got 40 to 40 minutes point, of game time almost. He got to the point where he was winning the chess match. I mean, the the final interception 
And I think we're all here in Arizona where we're recording this podcast excited to see not only Isaiah Simmons on the field, but making a play and getting the interception. But I'll tell you this, that interception was due to the confusion of Russell Wilson, which is something that not many people can do, man. And Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on this, but uh, the 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 mix that he had going of when he was bringing pressure and when he was and when he wasn't, but he was showing double a gap pressure basically that entire second half. And then the Cardinals would fall off or they'd send it off the edge. Sometimes they'd come up the middle and the back missed the block on one of them. And Russell Wilson just got pounded like the, the confusion of the play calling on Vance by Vance Joseph was, I mean, it was pretty impressive in that second half. Not many people can win the chess match with Russell Wilson, and he did last night in that second half. So we're going to talk about some questionable play calling from Cliff Kingsbury in a moment. But before we even get there, I want to tip my cap to Vance Joseph because, Jordan, what I saw last night was pretty impressive. Yeah, the adjustments they made at halftime were, were pretty big, and I think Vance Joseph said, you know what, what the hell? Why don't we just call what I Let's want to call it. and stop trying to be cute with it? Let's line up. Let's blitz the shit out of him. And guess what? Russell Wilson, from now on, they're going to be sending guys after him. They're going to be trying to confuse him up front. Uh, they're going to be you know, doing exactly. They're going to take Vance Joseph's game plan, and they're going to just replicate that. Every team, when they play the Seahawks, they're going to go, all right, we're just going to line up and blitz because Russell, if we don't blitz, he's just going to sit back, pick us apart, or he'll run for 20 yards. Um, look, I, 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 I do give credit to the Cardinals' defense. I think Russell Wilson made a lot of poor decisions yesterday, something that you don't see from him. And and you can credit a lot of that to maybe the confusion that they're showing more blitzing or, um, you know, getting him uncomfortable. But he threw a couple of picks that you just don't see from Russell Wilson. I mean, he hadn't thrown uh, two picks in a game in, in a long time. And uh, it, it was it was kind of shocking to see. I mean, uh, and, and also he made some MVP throws. I mean, he's dropping the ball in a bucket to Tyler Lockett to start the game. Tyler Lockett made some great catches, one-handed catch, the last uh, touchdown in the end zone on fourth down and two where uh, he, he, he had a little toe-drag swag. Uh, impressive uh, performance offensively. Defensively, the Seahawks could not stop a nosebleed. They're man. so I mean, bad, dude. They're I have so, bad. So, many, so many questions defensively. I mean, I'm watching this game, and I know where they're going to throw the ball. Guess what? If you line up 20 yards off, they're going to run an out route, bro. They're going to run. They're trying to get the ball to the sideline. The corners are lined up 15 yards off. Just turn and throw it to him. He'll get 10 yards. Keep doing that all game. Quentin Dunbar made a couple of big plays. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're down on the goal line. You're standing in your end zone. Christian Kirk runs seven yards, does a curl, and scores. When he runs that curl, Quentin Dunbar backs up into the end zone. Dude, you're fuck. Excuse me. Your heels are on the goal line. Give me a break, dude. How, I mean, this is high school level defense that I'm seeing out of the Seattle Seahawks. Don't back up into the end zone. If a guy's running it, he's not going to run past you. I have never seen anything that bad in the NFL in a long time. And obviously there's a lot to unpack here. I was frustrated watching this game because defensively it seemed like they, they couldn't go. And the, I think the biggest turning point for the Cardinals in this game was a third and five Bobby Wagner roughing call. That was a terrible call by the refs that extended their drive. They go down and score. I think that and, was the turning point for the Cardinals. And I think you mentioned the, the Seahawks defense, Jordan. But when you look at the Cardinals defense, too, you're going to look at this score and you're going to say, oh, they gave up 34 points. But what a fantastic yeah. job oh, adjusting yeah. by Vance Joseph. And guys, he was he was pulling people out of the stands to play defense in this football game. There were guys <laughs> coming on the field. I don't know where he got yeah. them from. 
I mean, they were rotating yeah. guys all over the place all night long to try to find something that was working, and they found some success in the second half. And then you had you know the players that you expect to come to come through with big plays. Great to see Hassan Reddick have some big plays in that overtime. Isaiah Simmons, we already mentioned uh, with the interception. We had the Buda Baker uh, pick earlier in the game. I think we'll get into that with some questionable coaching. But I think, guys... Take the 34 points and put that aside for a second because you look at the job that Vance Joseph did in the second half, I think it's safe to say off the hot seat. No reason to discuss Vance Joseph's future as the D.C. He is certainly not the problem with them giving up points. It is certainly the fact that they have injuries and it's a lack of talent because he's making he's making this work with not having the complete arsenal at his disposal. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. And again, I, I just boasted about how you know, impressed I was with the second half. I mean, but we still have to look at the fact that they gave up, you know, sure. <laughs> so they adjusted points. to the best but, offense in the league. Correct. And, and that's what I'm leaning on that second half, man. The fact that you only gave up seven, the rest of the way was, was pretty impressive. So is he, is he off the hot seat? Yeah. For now, we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I mean, clearly he can coach and, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals were, I thought lights out in the, in the second half defensively. Uh, now I, those questionable coaching decisions, Schubert, I think we should get into, and I also look at at uh, uh, you. You talked about the interception the, the, that should have been, could have been a pick six if not for an absolute tremendous effort, but from DK Metcalf. Did you see, did you guys see how fast he ran on that? Twenty two point six four miles per hour yeah. he got on that. That's impressive it's for incredible. a guy that big. Yeah, he went from because I believe he was just kind of running a drag across the field, and he had come to a complete stop, and Buddha was ten yards on him, going the other way at full speed. So he accelerates yep. and catches him and brings him down. And you're thinking, okay, he may have just saved four points for the Seattle yeah. with the hustle. No. He, saved he ends up saving seven points because of some questionable play calling, Schubert, that I'll let you get into. Right. And and you, you that drive has to end in points. I think all three of us would agree there. And it's not even Cliff a drive. Kingsbury, if you're at the five-yard line, it's not even a drive. He, you're, he, just, just get points on the board. He makes the determination, I'm going to go for it here on fourth down. And at that point in the game, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because a lot happened in the second half of this game, so my first half memory is a little fuzzy. It was 13-7 at that point, right? Correct, yes. So a field goal would have made it 13-10. You're only down three. Yeah. Obviously, the touchdown would have put the Cardinals in front. But at that point, it's 13-7. And, and I saw it on Twitter. When, when they went for it and didn't get it, I saw people on Twitter say, oh, love the call, Cliff. Love being aggressive. This game isn't, you know, isn't a shootout. This is still 13-7. It wasn't potentially trending in the direction we thought it was going to go in the first quarter. And ultimately, that decision reared its ugly head in the second half because every time the Cardinals would score, they found themselves down three, and it was like, okay, you left three points on the board in the first half, and it changed the complexity of how Cliff called the second half of the game. Now, it all worked out in the end, but... They put themselves in a position where they rolled the dice, Cliff did, in the first half, and it worked out this time. What do you say if I play devil's advocate right now and say that the Seattle like that. Seahawks <laughs> – I do have this uh, no bull thing behind me. It kind of looks like I got yeah, devil like horns that. on anyway. I'll do that. Uh, but it, it, the Seattle Seahawks made the exact same call on fourth down. The difference is, as Jordan pointed out a few minutes ago, Russell Wilson dropped it in a bucket and Lockett made some a, a ridiculous grab in the back of the end zone. So it doesn't – we're not talking about that call because it worked out. When Can I push back a little Pete, bit? Pete Carroll made the exact same call, and I think I know where you're going to go because I have my own thoughts on this too, Schubert. But, you know, if I'm playing devil's advocate, we're ripping Cliff when Pete Carroll made the exact same call. Different spot on the field. 
It's a different spot on the field. It's a different situation. That stuff matters. The context of it matters. You're inside the five. Points have to go on the board. Where where he was on the field, you could. It was. I, I think it was in a spot where it was. A, it was an iffy field goal, right? Who? No, no. You're, talk- you're not talking about the locket touchdown. Well, the, well the, which one? I'm talking about fourth and. It was. They, I believe it was fourth and goal. For them fourth as well. Okay, I thought fourth you were talking two. about the, the lot. It, yeah. it, was, it was fourth and two, and they went for it, and they were inside the 10. So it okay. was, it was I'm talking about inside their five, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was almost – it was extremely similar situations, and Pete Carroll makes the same, the same call. The only reason, guys, that I, I don't think Pete Carroll gets a lot of heat for that is because he has a guy named Russell Wilson who's proven in those situations, proven in those moments. And I think Cliff will get a lot less heat for making those calls when they don't work out in their favor when Kyler Murray, if Kyler Murray ever gets to the level to where you're comfortable with him making those plays. Right now, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with Kyler Murray making a throw in that situation. You know, you'd only have to rewind the clock one game to the Dallas game to see him airmail Larry Fitzgerald in a moment where he probably should have had an easy touchdown in the back of the end zone. You know, there's there's different. It's a different situation to me when you have a Russell Wilson opposed to a second-year quarterback who's played, you know, just barely over 20 games in his career. So um, it's a similar coaching call. I don't know if I roll the dice in that moment if I'm Cliff. When I've got Kyler Murray, a young quarterback in that situation, uh, I don't have nearly as much heartburn with Pete Carroll doing it when you have a Russell Wilson. I think those. I think that is the that is the difference in in why you know one it worked out for Seattle, it didn't for the Cardinals, but why you know Pete Carroll can get away with making that call when uh, when Cliff Cliff is getting ripped this morning by not only us well, but everybody around the valley. That's not the only coaching decision that he's getting blasted for. It is whatever occurred in overtime with the decision to not only on second down kick the 41-yard field goal with with Zane Gonzalez, but then having to call a timeout because a delay of game penalty was about to be be incoming. Just a, a disaster that, again, didn't come back to cost them, but when you look at these things, really feels like they got away with one. Yeah. I mean, you it, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I, I mean, you 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 could have kept running the football with Chase Edmonds, but do you risk a fumble? That's that's where they, that's why they kicked the ball on second down. Is all right, let's keep running. But the way this game's been going, the ball's been bouncing for back and forth between this guy, that guy, you know, back and forth between Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I like the call. I like the call to kick it. They just didn't get the field goal team out there quick enough and lined up and ready to go. That was poor clock management on their part. So he had to call the timeout and people go, Oh, he freezed his own kicker. Like, no, you can't take a penalty in that situation. So of course you have to call the timeout, but yeah, they could have ran it a couple more times, but you limit your, your risk. If you, if you just try to kick it now. And if, if they would have been on time, Zane would have drilled it and that would have been the game. Cliff, Cliff had seen enough, uh, the play before when they were, I, it looked as if almost, I couldn't tell if they were just trying to simply center the ball, right? Center it in the middle of the field. Uh, or yeah, if when Kyler got rocked, yeah, or if Seattle was yeah, just it was all just over, a weird play. or if Seattle was just all over the keeper from from Kyler, and I think no, Cliff, they it, were trying to center it. That's what it looked like to me because there yeah. was nobody on that side, and, no and, and, and Kyler got rocked. No so I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was either an overreaction by Cliff saying, "Okay, I've seen enough." After Kyler got got drilled, let's kick it now, or if he was just simply centering the football because when you watch the they replay, it, it kind of looked like that. So Absolutely it almost, no question. Yeah, so it almost looked like it. they had already made up their mind on first down that, hey, let's center the yeah. football, let's give them a good look at it, and let's go ahead and kick it on second down once they got the yeah. the uh, the um, uh, you know, the range Zane was money all day. 
yeah. Zane Zane had hit already hit to uh, from beyond forty yards. So it's like, yeah, all right, let's let's knock it down. This is, he's comfortable in this range. Right. We don't want to risk a turnover, so let's do it. And then you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, well Russell gets the ball back. There's no way they're not going to go down and score. And then Vance Joseph just unleashes the blitz. I want to give so much credit to Buda Baker and what he does for that defense. I mean, he has got to be emerging as one of the best safeties in the league. The way that, that he is just an absolute ball hawk, and we talked about it after the Dallas game, but to go uh, against the number one offense in the Seattle Seahawks and continue to do what he did, I mean, he is all over the field. Uh, it, it's it's really fun to watch. Um, so I give a lot of credit to to them defensively, but they were able to confuse Russell and Byron Murphy coming off the edge free and uh, a lot of guys running free. The Seahawks have a lot of work to do. And I think for the Seahawks, uh, it, it's a good thing that they lost this game because it's going to help them go back and go, holy cow, we have to fix a lot of issues. Um, if we can fix issues defensively, we could be special. Kind of similar to Kansas City lost to, to Las Vegas. And yeah, the last it, thing I think we'll stay on this, guys, and Sean, I think this is where you're going with this. This game kind of proved that the NFC West and the NFC maybe as a whole wide open after what the Cardinals did last night. Uh, yeah, you know, listen, when I watch the NFC, I don't see a team that is without major faults. Maybe the closest to it is Tampa Bay right now, who has finally got the penalty issues they had early in the year under control. And Tom Brady is starting to really click. Gronk is making his, you know, his way now that he's got his legs underneath him. Uh, that, so that, that looks like probably the most complete team in the NFC. But when you look at the, uh, when you look at the NFC at a whole, there isn't a dominant team that I look at and say, man, that, that's got to be the NFC favorite. It's almost like, hey, just get in the tournament, and I think everybody has a shot. You know, I mean, whoever comes out of the East, I think we're all expecting to be one and done, right? Green Bay's defense has as, yeah, Green Bay's defense has as many issues as as Seattle's does. Uh, Chicago has no offense to speak of. They're at five and one and don't look like a five and one football team. You know, New Orleans has a ton of issues as well. Uh, and this NFC West looks like it's it's anybody's game right now. Seattle with their defensive issues. The Cardinals with the same. The Rams have yet to beat anybody outside of the NFC East. I mean, who is that? football team the 49ers are are you buying them like every you go down the entire conference of the nfc and i don't see a dominant team at all it, you know this is going to be one of those years where just get in the tournament dude and i think you're going to have an opportunity so you know yeah. are the, the turnovers hot yeah i mean are the cardinals should the cardinals be in that mix absolutely they should be in that mix in that conversation right now because we're in a reactionary business in the media right we talk about what yeah. we have in, what we have what we have in front of recency us recency bias week. right so if i have to go down that road tampa bay looks like the best football team in the nfc right now they just do uh but again the, who's to say those penalty issues don't rear their ugly head? You know they're have they're starting to get banged up a little bit on the defensive side of the football in Tampa. So I don't think there's one dominant team in the NFC where where a team like the Cardinals, who's going to sneak in, I believe now at five and two, just get in the tournament, dude. Who knows what what, yeah. what what can happen? I think the NFC is absolutely wide open, and I do think the Arizona Cardinals should be in that conversation of of a team that can can maybe make a run or get hot, as you say, Jordan. My question for the Arizona Cardinals is, can they do it on a weekly basis? We've seen them play a, a, a Detroit Lions team and, and get beat. We've seen them lose to a team that they should beat, right? Uh, can they do it consistently week in and week out and not play to the level of competition, um, not play down to a, excuse me, a bad team and, and you know play up to a team like the Seattle Seahawks? They have to be mature now 
take this bye week, recover, get healthy, and then come back with the same energy that they played with against the Seahawks because that looked like a team that was hungry, that wanted to win, that wanted to compete. And Kyler Murray made some great throws. Um, so can they continue to do that against the teams that maybe aren't um, to the caliber of a, of a Seattle Seahawks or the or the 49ers for that uh, same same argument? So yeah, and, and I agree with that. Watch. I agree with that. But you know, you can say the same thing about Seattle, who has a five point win against a New England team, and we were two yards away from losing that game. You know, the Cowboys had an interception in the end zone, or or Dak is going to push that one into overtime. The Dolphins were only down by one score late. You end up winning that one only by eight points. You know, the Vikings game, you win twenty seven twenty six. I mean, it's it's it's. The yeah. Seattle team has all the same issues right now, and that's my point in the end. But NFC. the Seahawks have been the Seahawks have been doing that for the last couple of years now. They've played in more close games than anybody in the National Football League. That's right. just how their team has been built. But yes, they absolutely have their fair share of issues, and they it showed last night defensively. I don't know if it's play calling or if it's uh, if it's or what it is, but it, it is bad. There's guys running free. I also think that Seattle is without their Buda Baker right now, and how much better is the Cardinals yeah. defense with Buda Baker right when Jamal Adams gets back on the Seahawks defense he will erase several of those mistakes he's just that type of player um so he he's a guy exactly like Buda you can put him up on the line blitz he, he's a racer he'll he'll recover for you so when when they get him healthy and back they're going to be a different football team but at the end of the day the Seahawks biggest problem is they have no pass rush they can stop the run. Their D-line's good at stop the run, but they have no pass rush. And so they were talking about, let's go get Antonio Brown. Obviously, he signed with Tampa Bay. Go get a D-lineman. Go trade for a D-lineman while you can. If this is your year to make a Super Bowl run, you're missing one big piece on that D-line, a guy that can get after the pass rusher and get you a couple sacks a game because Kyler Murray wasn't touched last night. And it's a bye week now for the Arizona Cardinals, and, and with their next opponent being the Miami Dolphins, I think they're going to be paying very, very close attention uh, to Tua in his debut because they will be uh, facing him coming out of their bye week. It was a crazy Sunday in the National Football League. Some crazy finishes, some crazy fourth quarters. We will break it all down in the rapid rundown next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. Well, the upbeat music from Sean Crespin means it is time for the Rapid Rundown. And gentlemen, it was a wild weekend. We had some college craziness with Penn State, Indiana, that I'm still trying to figure out. He's short. And we, and we, he was, he was in, I think. You think? He's short. I think he was in. I thought he was in. Yeah, I thought he was in. Uh, go I, I watch it again, in, man. Nose of that football is touching the sideline before it's touching the pylon. That He's short. Tremendous effort. Tremendous effort, and Penn State should have never been in that position to begin with. But dude was short by by hey, just good for in. Indiana. Absolutely, Hoosiers, yeah. baby. Right. Hey, they're now, not a basketball school anymore. <laughs> now to kick off the rapid rundown, a guy who was definitely in was Todd Gurley at the end of the Lions Falcons game. Oh. And Jordan, I'll start here with you. This to me, watching this game, was a battle of who could who could hit their brand more. Were the Lions going to Lion? Or were the Falcons going to Falcon? Who could meet their brand more? And it ultimately yeah. ended up being the Falcons. I think I saw somebody say that their uh, their uniforms that they were wearing, uh, it's 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 red. They were, had red tops on and black bottoms because everything at the end of the day just fades to black because this team is just a black hole. Um, you feel bad for them. I mean, they, there's going to be some major moves made, you know, with Matt Ryan at the end of this season, but. Hats off to the Lions, man. They're playing some good ball. What is their record now? Are they, they have well, they have four they're, wins. 
They're three and three. They're three and three, and they have a yeah. really nice schedule coming up. And they, listen, yeah. that that team. And if you would have listened to uh, cashing in with Chris, dope. if you listen to cashing in with Crespin on our 9 a.m. live show on you Sundays, you got lucky here. Don't you uh, even start. Crespin's one and zero with this particular game. But you know the Lions have had a, t- a double digit lead in every game this season outside of yesterday. Uh, even the games they had lost, they had a double digit lead in every game this year outside of yesterday. So it's not a bad football team, Jordan. You're not wrong. They're three and three. Yeah. And good for the good for the Lions. And as Chris hey, said, who, who else did you schedule. pick with cashing in? With we're going to oh, get there. Worry, we'll let's, get there. let's keep going. We're going to get there. Yeah, Trust we'll me. I'll going. let you don't know. Worry. Don't let's tell go. me you picked the Seahawks. Rapid rundown. Let's go. Next game, Schubert. Colts, Vikings, and Washington are the next three for the Detroit Lions. Game number two, this was not one of the close ones. No. This was in the afternoon window. And guys, I don't like being the hot take, you know, ra- you know, reactionary guy. But boy, do we have to ask some questions about what's going on in New England. Yes. What's, yeah, what's going on in New England is Cam looking more like the, the Cam Newton we've seen the last few years. You know, where it, he's incredibly inaccurate with the football they don't have a lot of wide receiver weapons there that are getting them a lot of separation. The the creativity we saw in the first few weeks in the NFL, people catch on pretty quickly, and you have to be able to adapt. And right now, I think Cam's skill set doesn't allow New England to go very far outside of what we've seen from the get-go of this year. So defenses have now adjusted, and they don't have the weapons around him or the skill set there with Cam Newton overall to really have a, a array of ways to attack you. So... I think what you're seeing is defenses have caught up to this New England team, and I don't know where they go from here. I really don't. And, and remember, this is a team that guys that I bought a few weeks ago in terms of yeah. of you know I thought the I thought the, the, the creativity offensively, the way they had reinvented themselves, but you know defenses have clearly caught up to what they're trying to do offensively, and Cam Newton doesn't give them an awful lot of places to go. Neither do the weapons around him. Seattle's defense is making people look a lot better than they are. I think right. that's that we watched that game and we're like, holy cow, yep. Cam is running all over the place. He's finding Julian Edelman wide open over the middle. No, Seattle's defense is making people look a lot better than they are. And again, that's a, you know, Seattle's got to fix those issues. But I agree. Cam just didn't look accurate yesterday. I mean, he's got that weird throwing motion or just like he throws it down and He's right, that's what I thought too, Joe. Yeah. Looks like that spike in it. That weird throwing yeah, motion where you just throw the ball straight like, into like, the dirt. Uh, yeah, that's that one. Like, just like N- never down. successful, Sean. That no. strategy doesn't work. No, no. You don't find no, long-term I mean, success uh, in the NFL. I, obviously, I think Belichick's going to have to make a move on a different quarterback this offseason. I mean, if they go with Stidham, that's interesting. Uh, I don't think you pull Cam necessarily right now. He's still he's shown glimpses of of being good, but. It's a 49ers team that they lost to that is very banged up. No Raheem Mostert yesterday. They're without their two best pass rushers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo looked a lot better. And that's it. Say what you want about New England's offense. Their defense is always solid. Bill Belichick is is the greatest coach of all time. And um, so their defense will always be good, but did not look good for New England yesterday. We mentioned him in the lead, but Ron Rivera leads the Washington football team uh, to a just an absolute destruction of the Dallas Cowboys, who are now down Andy Dalton after what was just a a brutal hit. Uh, I couldn't watch it on replay. It was just it, it, brutal is an understatement. Uh, and then Ben DiNucci from James Madison University is who they called on because <laughs> I guess he's the third-string quarterback. The and Italian uh, Sean, kid. Sean, I, I think the Dallas Cowboys even more so than they already were are going to be in the market for a quarterback and I've heard some whispers 
that Miami just benched their starter, who was who was three and three to start the year. Uh, by the real quick to add on to the hit, uh, John Bostic not expected to be suspended for the hit on uh, on Andy Dalton. I mean, listen, guys, why they, would he be? That's what I was just about to say, Jordan. I mean, people see these yeah. hits and they're like, oh, look at he targeted his head. Listen, it's almost impossible to 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 intentionally bang, bang, do bang. what happened yesterday. And listen, in football, the low man wins. So you're always going to have two guys at the point of collision, usually trying to get lower than the other. And these things just happen, man. Like, it's ugly. The NFL is trying to take it out of the game. But it's it's not like John Bostick said, I'm going to go rip Andy Dalton's head off right now with my, you know, or yeah. slam my shoulder into the side of his head. It doesn't happen. Low man wins. Everybody tries to get low, and it's it's it was it was unfortunate. So having said that, yes, the Dallas Cowboys are now. Oh, sorry, I just touched a nerve with Jordan. So when you go ahead and and and, and, yeah. and respond, I just want to reiterate that football is a very rough game. It's physical. It's fast. You have the best athletes in the world in pads running at each other. Quarterbacks are football players. They're going to get blasted from time to time. It's just the nature of the game. Obviously, that was a, a rough hit on Andy Dalton and Bostic. It was a penalty, yes. But these plays happen so damn fast. Andy Dalton's got to get his ass down before. You're running at a linebacker that all he wants to do is, is not intentionally try to hurt you, but he's trying to he's going to hit you if you keep coming at him. And you're talking about a couple yards difference. I mean, Andy Dalton's got to get down. Obviously, the hit was bad. The Cowboys didn't do a damn thing, though. They did not do a damn thing when they saw this hit. Usually when you see a guy like this, if it's Aaron Rodgers, if it's Tom Brady, you'll see the whole offensive line run. There's going to be a big fist fight. There's a brawl. What does that tell you about the Cowboys organization that they'll let a quarterback like this get blasted and not do a thing? Hey, it, yeah, you're good, man. It hey, was, hey, yeah. Well, it is football. It is what it is, but... But I was shocked to see nobody on the Cowboys come after him. Uh, that, that tells you a lot about the culture of their team. Yeah, and McCar I think they, they discussed it afterwards as well. And, he, you know, McCarthy said, uh, you know, it's a fine line to walk because yeah. you need to protect your guy. You should be there for your guy. You should have his back. But you also, and that, you know, you don't want to get a 15 yard penalty added on to that. You know, yeah. and so it's a fine line to walk. But yeah, it was interesting Absolutely. to see. It was interesting to see no reaction. Uh, but the reaction yeah. that the Cowboys may or may not have to get back to the quarterback situation, Schubert, um, do you go out and find somebody? You can't roll with Danucci for the ben, next Ben Danucci. Put respect on the name, Ben and, Danucci. And let's let's not forget, you're still in the mix of the terrible NFC East, so you uh, got to continue to try. A so, calamity of errors on your part. It's the powerhouse NFC. Do you call Miami? <laughs> do you call Miami and say, uh, "Give me the beard and Ryan Fitzpatrick"? Do you call New Orleans and say, hey, Jameis, we'll take your 30 interceptions. Just give us a couple touchdowns. You know, He'll do throw you, 30 interceptions the rest of the season, too. No. That, that's how good Jameis will be. I mean, do you do you call these these teams that have a backup that may be ready? Because if you're the Cowboys, you don't Brett want Hundley. you don't want to make a trade for Yeah, Brent I mean, if you're the Cowboys, you don't want to make a trade for a Matt Ryan or or a a Sam Darnold type because those are long-term commitments, at least longer than a season. You're fully yeah. expecting to have Dak return, so you're looking for a rental for the last for the remaining portion of the season that can be reliable. And I think those guys that I just mentioned can be that guy, right? So I'm not going to be shocked if the Dallas Cowboys are on the phone very quickly today, the rest of the week, looking for a quarterback that can uh, that that can maybe step in and keep them in this juggernaut of a race in the NFC East. You know, so uh, well, Danucci. 
ben not necessarily the guy I'm going to roll with. So I, I think you see Jared, Jared Jones pick up the phone. Is our boy Ducky Hodges available? Oh, he I could be. That's a good point, Jordan. Very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> our boy Ducky out there. Hey, speaking of the team he played for last week or last year. I was just going to hey, say, wait, Jordan, we kind of have to let. Go ahead. One more, one more point on that subject. Did you guys see the Lions game when Stafford got hit? Like a regular football player got gets hit, he's holding the ball, and they called unnecessary roughness. Did you guys see that play, Jordan? I did. It was it was Jordan. You you the, can't. The worst call I've seen in football Johnny in went the backwards. last ten years. You 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 can't touch quarterbacks in the pocket. The you rule. can't you can't it was you can't graze the their helmet. Load of crap I've you ever can't, seen. You can't hit the them below the waist. You can't land on them. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Put a head. flag on them and take their pads off. If you want to protect quarterbacks like that, put a flag on them. I'm not even kidding. If you can't hit them low, you can't hit them high, you can't touch them in the head, you can't apparently hit them straight up with your head to the side because it's roughing, that ref who made that call needs to be held accountable. Refs need to start being held accountable for the shitty calls that they make because it changes games. Same thing with the Seahawks-Cardinals game with the unnecessary roughness where Bobby Wagner hit uh, Arnold the tight end for the Cardinals. Terrible, terrible call, but it changes the game, and the ref's not held accountable. They need to be held accountable for the shitty calls that they make. The, uh, the person that you're looking to hold accountable would be the competition committee because the quarterback rules have been applied correctly. The rule is what you hate, not the referee's decision. It's the actual rule that is on the book. What books. was the rule The for, rule with for the, Stafford getting hit? There's a handful of rules with, 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 with quarterbacks now. You can't even – I'm talking graze them as if you're brushing his hair on the helmet anymore. No, that is a penalty. Can't do you that. You can't hit somebody. This is the Tom Brady rule. You can't hit them below the knee. That is a penalty. You can't land on quarterbacks anymore. If you hit them, you have to do everything you have to do the alligator roll off so your weight doesn't land on them. That's the Aaron Rodgers rule from Barr a few years ago with the Vikings. So you have yeah. all of these different rules. The referees are applying what's there by the competition committee. Your beef, Jordan, is with the competition committee and the rule book itself. These officials are applying correctly the rules that are in the book. So that's where your beef, that's where your attention should be. And I agree with you on 90% hey, of these. Well, but that, the, correct, what, uh... the competition committee is who you should be hollering at. Simone sound off tomorrow is going to be it's going to be an angry one. Fire it up. Fire it up. Okay, can't wait. Can't yep. wait for uh, that. At Noble underscore podcast for that. Rapid rundown game four. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not rapid anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> Sean Cressman, I'll allow you to gloat here at the start because this makes the cashing in with Cressman segment two yep. and oh. Making you as money. As the Steelers beat the Titans. It was a very great first half for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A questionable second half, specifically the fourth quarter that made this a close game between the two uh, two top teams in the AFC, but it is the Steelers who moved to 6-0. Making you money, and it is the best football team in, in the National Football League right now. I'll say it. Forget the Chiefs as well. Because You're, the, you've be, you need to just get a jersey. You're I a have, fan now. You, I'm you not are a, a Pittsburgh fan. Steelers Listen, fan. No, you are. I got two hats that I wear. The one I'm wearing right now helps me be an analyst while I'm talking to you, gentlemen. Ben right? hat. Then I've, no, that's the other one. Then I've got this hat on the weekends that I put on. My Raider helmet. Raiders hat. Where I become, I a, total, that on when you I become a total homer when I watch the games. But when I'm talking to you, gentlemen, i got to be real. And what's real is the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and that front seven sacks the quarterback at a 14% rate, which is higher than anybody in the National Football League. Ten players have sacks on that defense. They give up 60 yards rushing per game. And by the way, if you're not paying attention, 
week by week, Ben Roethlisberger gets more comfortable with some of these new names around him, and the offense is getting better and better and better. That is the most complete football team in the AFC. Nobody wants to talk about him. You want to talk about flashy Lamar Jackson, and we want to rip on, on Baker. The best quarterback in the AFC North is Ben Roethlisberger. The best team overall is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've been saying this since week one, that if Ben Roethlisberger is just mediocre Ben, that will be a team you do not want to see late in the season. And it is exactly what's playing out. And you're getting a Ben that, outside of a couple throws he probably wants back yesterday in the second half, he is much better than a mediocre Ben. That is a scary football team for every team in the AFC, including the Kansas City Chiefs. So the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're damn right it was cashing in with Crespin yesterday, especially when they were the underdog. I'm making you money every Sunday. You should tune in. Tune in at 9 a.m. Oh, God. I don't know Cash about that. Crespin. I don't know about Boom. making money. The guy, the guy has guy his has first two-win week. week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy has his first two-win week, and now like the segment's money yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, do you have any pop on making, this Schubert, I'm making you money. Jordan, I'm making you money. Yes, two, Jordan, two really talented, <laughs> two, two really good teams, well-coached teams going yeah, at it. Uh, really is. But, Sean, I, I will give you credit. I was not on the Steelers. Um, like you were at the beginning of the season, they are good. Their defense is very good, and they can run the football. And what does our own Herm Edwards here at Arizona State say? If you can run the football and play defense, it travels, and they will travel well, and they'll always be competitive. Give credit to the Titans as well. They kept fighting, yeah, uh, even when it seemed like they were down. But uh, yeah, two two good teams battling head to head. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's still got a couple years left in the tank. Um, but a lot of, lot of young talent. Claypool has really stepped up for them offensively. I think that's been a, a, a huge addition for them. So, yeah, credit to the Steelers. And I do think they are the – I think they're the second-best team in the league behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Final game of the not-so-rapid rundown, Schubert. What do we got? It's, it's, the, re it's the relaxed rundown here yeah, on this right. Monday edition of Noble with Chris Crespin <laughs> yeah. and Simone. This is not a game that's happened yet. Uh, not a lot of great games yesterday in the, in the latter part of the day. So we're previewing this game because we kind of teased it the whole segment. Sean Crespin and Cashing with Crespin can make history tonight. Mm-hmm. And go three and zero. Now <laughs> the only thing working against Sean wow. Preston in the Bears and Rams game tonight, as the Rams try to keep pace in the NFC West, is Sean Jordan. I don't know if you if you caught the show yesterday, but Sean went outside the box. He took the under in this game, the first time he's ever taken a total. So he's putting the three and zero perfection on a total. So yeah. it's a bit risky for Sean Preston. I'm tonight. outside the comfort zone, Jordan Smoney. But listen, I'm going under tonight. Bears and Rams 44 and un a half. under 44 and a half. And here's why. And this is why I wanted to talk about the actual game. Forget about casting with Crespin. We're just goofing with that. But this Rams team, we're trying to you find out who money. We're trying to find out who Who's they goofing? are. Right? They haven't, they haven't, they haven't beat a team outside the NFC East. You keep hearing me say that. And the last two times at the Goff McVay era, the only two times that uh that that the Rams have played the the Bears, it hasn't necessarily gone so well for Jared Goff. As a matter of fact, in those two games. It was a 15-6 loss to the Bears in 2018 and a 17-7 win last year. In those two games, Goff has gone for 108 yards, no touchdowns, and four interceptions in the first game. 173 yards, no interceptions, or no touchdowns, and one interception in the second game. So the Bears' defense has made an absolute joke of Jared Goff and Sean McVay's offense. And we also know that the Bears' offense itself has had its own problems. 28th in total yards, 29th in rushing, 24th in passing yards per game, 27th in scoring, averaging just 21 points per game. So this has got, this has got under written all oh, over God. it. Under yeah, written all over it. 
So take the under. And I, I think the Rams win the football game. But I think the under is okay, going to score. Okay, so today. here is my advice after what Sean just said. Uh-huh. <laughs> take the over. There's going to be a lot of points scored. A lot of points. Uh, Jared, points Jared everywhere. Goff is, yeah. is going to go off tonight. He's good for three touchdowns in the first half. Right now, the line is minus six for the Rams. I kind of like it because I don't think that the Bears can do anything offensively. But this is kind of a toss-up for me. Do you take the, the plus six for Chicago? Their defense traditionally has played the Rams well. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if I, if I got action on this game. It's a little too iffy for me. Well, Sean Crespin has action on this game for Cashman Crespin to go 3-0. He likes the under in this one. And I, you know what, Sean? I'll, I'll defend you, you like? even more. I like the Rams to win the football game, but I think it's going to be like a, right, a, 20, take the Bears. a 20 to 17 type game tonight. It's not going to be high scoring at all. Listen, I mean, 20 to you 17, have, you're going to be nervous a little bit. I got to be honest with three you. Of the last, three of the last four defensive players of the year, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. I mean, everything about this game points to the defensive side of the football. I don't know what you guys are thinking. So we'll, we'll find and, out tonight. And those last two matchups that the, that the Rams had against the Bears, they had a running back on their roster. His name was Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. They don't have that anymore uh, on the team this year, so that's certainly uh, something Khalil to Mack look at as well. Khalil Mack is questionable as well. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Jordan's just trying to find every little to, thing he can to he try is. to throw doubt into your mind He'll to close fine. the show. It's Miss great. practice Friday. I'm happy. We'll be fine. And uh, guys, we got. I want to end the show on this because you wouldn't let me put it in the lead. I spent the whole prep meeting trying to sneak this into the show somewhere. You wouldn't yep. let me do it, so I'm going to do it here. We got the NASA announcement today right before we went on the air. They found water on the sunlit part of the moon, which means we could be closer to building a moon base. And you guys in the prep meeting were like, oh, what's the big deal? It's a freaking moon base. Nothing? Can can somebody be on board with this? No, I'm good. I'm all right. That's cool, man. That's that's really cool, Schubert. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm super stoked for you. Congratulations on that one. Please? Yeah, yeah, the moon's tight. Hey, real quick, before we get out of here, big special thanks to Earnhardt Auto Centers. Couldn't do it without them. Locally and owned and operated since 1951. I'm telling you, shoot over to Noble.com. Check out the Noble Express tab. Do the entire buying process from right there at your own home. Even if you just want to test drive a vehicle, right, they'll bring it to you. Give them a shout. Noble.com, Noble Express tab. 68-year commitment from their family to yours, man. You know you're going to get the Noble name. That's uh, Earnhardt Auto Centers, Noble.com. That ain't Noble. Uh, on that note, gentlemen, Good Friday to you. Or good good Monday to you. Yep, it's we'll a good talk Friday to you. Yeah, I'm out. You can follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast. You can follow me at Shoe Radio. You can follow Sean at SCrespin02. And you can follow Jordan Simone at Jordan Simone38. Simone, what does everybody need to do? Subscribe to the show. Give that us some love. That is correct. Yeah, plenty of places to do so. Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere you get your podcast, you can rate and subscribe the show there. Uh, it's not a good Friday, Sean. It is a good Monday, and we will talk to everybody on Wednesday.